Imagine you win $10,000, only to be told, oops, sorry, that was a mistake on our part. Well, that's what happened to a handful of Canadians with Tim Hortons. The Roll Up the Rim contest is back, and a bunch of people got a note that they had won 10 grand. And then Tim Horton says, yeah, sorry, that was a glitch. Here's a $50 gift card instead. We had a fascinating small town salute because something super rare happened on a farm near Winnipeg Oasis. And in Toronto, there was a sign up telling people to limit their dogs barking at a dog park in downtown. They took down the sign. But that got us having some fun asking you about a story about a barking dog. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who is off today. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, March 9th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is away today. We're going to do the sounds of the game in just a few moments. I know Greg's... Not thrilled about what happened last night. But before that, I'm more curious about (laughs) one of the first things Greg says to me today is, woke up with a start this morning after what happened in my dream. And then I just immediately doubled over in laughter. Such a bizarre, (laughs) random thing. Well, first of all, yeah, I don't think I would have woken up had I not spilt an entire roasting pan of gravy over the front of my pants (laughs) in my dream. I was working at this small town Manitoba restaurant and it was busy as could be. And so I was in the kitchen and people were clamoring for all sorts of stuff. There are customers in the kitchen, your worst nightmare. And this guy was asking me for a coffee and he's holding his cup. I need a coffee. I need a coffee right now. And so I'm pouring a cup of coffee for him. And at the same time, I guess my elbow grabs this roasting pan there were a couple of nice roasts in the oven and it just knocked it over all down the front of my pants carrie anerson was uh, one of the other servers <laughs> working at the restaurant somebody's answering the phone yet yeah, we're open until five five central six mountain so i don't know if we were working on the manitoba alberta border which doesn't exist it was just a completely bizarro dream and like I say, most of my dreams end up somehow I'm serving tables again. Yeah? Yep. Always goes back to that, hey? Always goes back to that. <laughs> now, Carrie Anderson makes sense because she was part of the women in sport celebration at the Jets game last night. Her and her team uh, were part of the ceremonial puck drop. So I think that's probably how Carrie snuck in there last night. Okay. But, uh Yeah. If I'd not spilt that, you might be sitting here by yourself this morning because I was in I was in a dead sleep when my alarms went off today. Man, that's funny that you, you your dreams take you back to serving tables. I can't tell you how many my dreams don't take me back to my time in fast food or retail. They so often end up I'll I'll be dreaming about something current, like uh, I'll be thinking about getting into some sort of a squabble on our text line. Uh, or that we were way it went way over time during a segment and Fortier got mad at us. Um, or the, the other day I had a dream where I'd lost my job. I had to go back to work at an old job at a call center. And then on my first day, my car got towed because I had to move it by 5.30. I went running down the street to stop the guy. And he said, well, if you don't want to get towed, then don't park 
where he shouldn't park. And I guess that probably tied into the news that the city of Winnipeg towed like almost 5,000 cars over the course of winter. So I guess that was on my brain because they, they have been, they were t- like sidebar, they were out towing cars on Roslyn yesterday at 4.30 in the morning, which seemed bizarre because were they I get doing plow work. No, like I understand if you, if you're doing plow work and you want to tow the cars, okay. But that just, I did, that seemed kind of pointless to me. Hmm. So anyway, that sort of going off the rails here. I, me- I meant to mention that to you yesterday, and I totally forgot. So that well, was my way of sneaking that in. Okay, well, good job sneaking that in. Have you been towed over the last couple of weeks? Maybe you've been trying to, you know, you look around, you go, well, I haven't really had any snow. Have you tried to park on a snow route and found yourself uh, with a car in the impound? Let us know, 204-780-6868, because Global News did a big story on that. We didn't really talk about it. We had so much going on that it didn't. Re- we didn't really get around to it on our show. Yeah, so let us know at 204-780-6868. Have you been towed? And I'm always curious, like, if you get towed... How do you, what What do you do? Like, how, my first inclination would, would be that my car's been stolen. Sure. In this market, in this city, 100%. I've only been towed once, and it was in Kelowna, and it was a pain in the neck. And right away, my buddy and I knew that we had been towed, and I don't even know how we figured out. I mean, we must have phoned the police to find out where do we go get our car. So not only do you get a ticket... But then you have to pay the towing fee to the towing company. And then they charge you an impound fee, which I think starts running the moment the car gets to the impound. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's not a lot of fun. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. In our next segment, we're going to tell you how you can win yourself some tickets for AEW, All Elite Wrestling, coming to Winnipeg on Wednesday, March 15th. And it has to do with a sign that went up in Toronto and has since been taken down because it's one of the dumbest things ever. So we'll explain that in our next segment. And then after Global News at 7.30, Mackling, small town salute. And it was you who said, oh, that sounds like a small town salute. We got a random email yesterday about something that turned out to be pretty remarkable. Yeah, it's incredibly rare. You are a twin. I have twins. Twins are uncommon, but they're not super, super uncommon, if that makes any sense. Sure does. Um, Triplets are obviously less common. How common are triplets for cows? We'll find out in about an hour's time. In the meantime, right now, we just want to recap. Yesterday was a special day, International Women's Day, and we spoke to all kinds of wonderful women on 680 CJOB. And producer Kyle Milroy has put together one of his patented Milroy montages in celebration. I think it's definitely something that women are pressured on in so many different ways by so many different people and so many different stages of their life. Um, In fact, you know, girls as young as six years old start realizing the pressure on them of body image and start thinking in negative ways about their body image at six years old. Um, And so that's really detrimental to their mental health. And if it's not caught early, it can lead to things like eating disorders or low self-esteem. And so um, it's definitely a, a bigger problem for girls and women than it is boys and men. We're not bringing women into those roles as quickly. We're not making the advancements on closing that pay gap. 
That's exactly it, uh, Loren. So, for example, women um, are in about 24% of senior executive roles in companies in Canada. And while we've gone from zero to 24, it's kind of how do we get to that full 50%. And granted, you know, there are pockets of progress, so it's not to say all companies, but the data does show that whether it's in senior executive leadership roles in business or the 11% pay gap um, that Stats Canada is continuing to report on for equal pay for equal work, um, there are still challenges. We need to try and uh, smooth over some of those challenges so that the the stressors and the, and the um, difficulties in this job don't start outweighing the joys that we experience. And I think that we just need to continue to show, create an environment in which women um, feel as if it's an industry that they can get into and be embraced in and that there's and show them that there are different opportunities that exist as well and I just to be honest I think that needs to go for both men and women that there's so many great ways to be impactful and to be involved in the sports industry beyond maybe just the the ones that you see most prominently here from my Canadian friends in uh, people who were born here that they want to support this movement this is like the first global um, movement that is created it's begun and it is shaped by by women and by Iranian women and and um, Iranian women they are so brave they are inspiring and defiant but then you actually look at what young women reporters face mm. online and it is it is, it's just, it is brutal. It is, like, it's just kind of relentlessly terrible. Um, yeah. And I, I do, I, I think I, I did not experience that. I had people mad at me. I had the occasional hate mail, you know, some, some weird people, but nothing like, um, nothing yeah. like I think a lot of national women reporters uh, deal with. And when talking to other women in similar, they often say that. and say, you know what, yeah, we're supposed to be strong all the time, but we don't necessarily have... Uh, we don't have, we don't allow ourselves to to share our vulnerabilities, and and that's something that was a learning that was learning for me, uh, and I didn't learn that until I came to mood disorders. And I did this this morning. I think of two or three women, and you you spoke about this too, who are important in your own life. Contact them today somehow and thank them for what they're doing for the world and what they're doing for you. Tremendous. Wonderful recap, courtesy of our colleague and friend Kyle Milroy, putting together some of the best bits and bites of many discussions on our air yesterday. You heard from Andrea Cates, Best You Nutrition, Diane Gray, Habitat for Humanity, Women Build key keynote speaker yesterday, Brett. Dr. Nichelle Desalais, rural family physician in Nipawa, who spoke to us on the start, as along with Andrea. Uh, Sarah Orleski, Winnipeg Jets host, as well as Urshia Bogari, member of University of Manitoba's Iranian Students Association. Mary Agnes Welch, probe research. Uh, Rita Chahala, mood disorders of Manitoba. And Anne Mon, a U of M chancellor and author and the voice we heard towards the back end of that montage, Mary Agnes Welch talking about what or some of her female reporting colleagues have put up with because she's a, you know, Mary Agnes Welch was a longtime reporter. And it, I saw something yesterday on social media from a friend and media colleague who often talks about the fact that a lot of guys will slide into her DMs because uh, you know, because she's a 
in the public eye. I'm not, and I'm not saying this is exclusive just to media uh, women, but they get hit on a lot by whether it's viewers or listeners. And when I talk to some of my friends who are in, female friends who are in this industry and they tell me the stories of the, the sheer volume of messages they get in their, whether it's their social media or their email, um, I'm sitting two feet away from this person and it feels like I'm on another planet because I just cannot fathom having to put up with that nonsense. I've been with you in the midst of some of those conversations and it does feel, although we work in the same industry, it feels like they work on another planet or somewhere else altogether because we don't put up with anything like that. And uh, I just don't understand why uh, certain people feel the compulsion, the need, feel as though they have the permission to direct some of the comments that they do to our female colleagues um, when they would never, ever do that to a man. Yeah, it's it's just baffling and mind-boggling. And before we sign off of this chat, we just wanted to, to point out one more comment, Greg, that came from mm. uh, Sarah Orleski, the Winnipeg Jets host. Yeah, I was listening to the interview live with Jim Toth, and, and she relayed a conversation that she had with someone else about something many of us seek, but it may be unattainable based simply on the term we use. I had the good fortune of interviewing Jennifer Jones just last week um, for the Pan Am Clinic Foundation's uh, gala. And I had asked her about balance because I said to her, I was joking with her beforehand, I have no idea how you balance any of this. And, and she said she doesn't like the word balance. She tries to find a harmony to exist between the two because if you just, if you're looking constantly to find balance, she thinks that you're setting yourself up for failure. And so you have to find a way to find harmony between the two sides. And I really, that was something I really took away from the conversation with her and something that I think is a great perspective to have that you need to just balance. If we're constantly trying to find balance, it might not um, be something that we can be successful in, but just try to find a way and what harmony looks like for myself or for you might be, might be different. Balance typically indicates that things are equal. And when it comes to work, when it comes to our lives out of work, when it comes to sleep, when it comes to the other things that we're passionate about, it might be impossible to find balance. I love that terminology, harmony, Brett. It is Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off today. Here's the first line of the story from Global News that is going to inspire this conversation. A sign telling downtown Toronto residents to limit their dogs barking at a dog park has been taken down following scrutiny. That has to be one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Like if dogs can't bark (laughs) at a dog park, where can they bark? That's barking mad. (laughs) I love that. Following scrutiny. Like, yeah. It's so stupid. <laughs> like, I get it. Maybe, maybe it's a situation where the dog park is new or whatever and the re- nearby residents were upset. But you know what? If you don't like noise, don't live downtown. So at 204-780-6868, we want to use this as a springboard to talk about barking dogs. A time that a barking dog drove you bonkers. 
Or perhaps, maybe if you want to go the opposite direction, maybe a time a barking dog helped you. Oh. Right? Like, let's say you slept in, and then you, your dog started barking, and you, you got up to, no, to tell your dog to shut up, and then you realize, oops, I slept in. 204-780-6868. Tell us a story for a chance to win AEW tickets. Uh, let's go around the horn here. Let's start with Jeff Braun. Oh, I've had, I couldn't even pick a, do- a one barking dog moment. I've had so many uh, neighbors with loud barking dogs, and I've just lived with that misery for years here and there, you know, how it goes. But, uh, and then the last few years, I've started dog sitting for my girlfriend at times, and the tables have turned completely where now... I'm the one with the dog in my place that keeps barking. And I was like, oh, well, I guess this is the karma for my neighbors or whatever. I felt guilty about it to the point where the last summer I had the dog for five days. And the dog, if I leave the house, it barks until I come back, period. <laughs> I went to get a haircut. I came back. My neighbor said, you were gone for 30 minutes. The dog barked the entire time. So after that, I had a five-day stretch where... I just didn't leave the house for five whole days except to walk the dog. <laughs> and it was summertime. I was just like, all right, if that's the way you're going to do it, you can uh, come with me. I, I went grocery shopping before I picked up the dog, so I wouldn't have to do that. And any other errands I had to ran, run, the dog came with me. Uh, went through a drive through beer vendor, and the guy there was like, hey, you got a dog in your car? I said, yeah. He's like, hold on. Comes back 20 seconds later with a giant milk bone. Here you go. It's for your pooch. I guess nice. he just gives it out to anyone who comes through the drive-thru with a dog in the car. So sometimes it works out. Yeah, some some the neighbor's dogs. I might growing up, my next door neighbor Bob had this little whippersnapper of a Pomeranian. I think her name was Misty. And every morning, it was like my wake-up call whether I wanted it or not. Because every time when he would let her out, she would just start barking. It was like, it would like, she was saying, hello world. I'm here. <laughs> I know you missed me, yeah. but I'm back. Drove me nuts. She was the yappiest little dog. She was a sweet dog. And Bob was a great neighbor, but Oh God, I hated that time of day. What about you, Poitras? Uh, well, I was in Merritt, uh, and I had this terrible, um, when I was working there, uh, lower la- bottom floor, first level apartment. And I, it was it was right next to these uh, two neighbors on either side, and these dogs would have bark wars every oh, now and then, great. of course. And I had to work I had to work in the morning, like I was up at the same time as I am now, um, and. You know, having to, to manage that was was frustrating, and it became an increasingly bigger and bigger problem for me as as my blood just got to boil more and more and more. So one day they were going back and forth at each other, and then they'd stopped. And in the morning, I decided I was going to get some revenge. So I opened up the window and I started barking as loud as I could <laughs> out the window. And then <laughs> I guess these two dogs heard me because then one of them started to bark, and then the next one started to bark, and it started off a bark. Uh, chain reaction. Did so, you win, Cam? Is the uh, question. No, of course you can't win that battle. <laughs> Humans just don't have the capacity. No. <laughs> nope, you give up way it's, before they it's, will. It's like trying to outrun a dog. It, if it's if it's a runner, it will beat. It will run Every you down. Time. It will beat you. What about you, Mackling? Well, you know, you mentioned uh, sort of the uh, diversion from this main topic, and so I'm changing my story midstream here. It's not mine, but it did happen in the house that I grew up in. I had a dog named Skilo back in the day. Skilo? Yeah, which is Greek for dog. Okay, I'm just thinking of the song, I Wish. 
Remember that song by rapper Skilo? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> yes. And uh, so uh, Skilo was a beautiful dog, husky, collie mix, uh, liked to bark, but was a, just really a tremendous uh, guard dog in the end. And one night, Skilo was downstairs, uh, two-story house in the West End. We'd been broken into a couple of times, and Skilo was losing her mind. So my brother Chris went downstairs, and sure enough... There's somebody halfway in the patio door when my brother went downstairs due to Skilo's barking and and uh, scared off the intruder. Ready to go, Skilo. So, right on. Yeah. My mom, in fact, I think my mom, well, I know she did. She phoned Winnipeg Sun and they came and did a story on. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because my brother was like eight or nine at the time and he probably just, get out! Or something, you know, silly like that that was... Effective somehow. So, Skilo, in uh, you know, on the other side of the Rainbow Bridge, job well done, my girl. Right on, Skilo. Jeff Forte, what about you? Our old dog, uh, Molly, she was a barker. And there's multiple mornings, like so many mornings, <laughs> where she'd wake me up because somebody walked past the house and she'd be barking and I'd get mad. And I, actually, I did what Cam did too, and I'd be, I'd bark it back at her and just be like, hey, not cool. Um, but there's one night. <laughs> you have to like, speak language that they understand. Well, exactly. There's uh, one night. It was like 11.30 p.m. Like, I was living at my parents' place, of course. It was a family dog. And there was a knock on the door. And the dog starts freaking out in my parents' bedroom. I'm going, what the heck? Who the Who's here at 11.30 at night? So I run upstairs, open up the front door, and it's the police. And, uh, well, they, they were there because uh, the neighbor's house got broken into, and embarrassingly enough, they shone their light at this chair that was on the front step and threw my keys there with my car keys. Anyways, that's a different story. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the dog comes running up, and, you know, the police, like, backed off because the dog's barking at them. And they're like, okay, yeah, so we know that uh, your house did not get broken into because that dog is your own personal alarm system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, what, that's, that's the good thing about dogs can be a good alarm system for you. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. We are asking you at 204-780-6868 to tell us about a a a barking dog. There's a story out of Toronto where there was a sign up telling people to limit their dog's barking, but this sign was in a dog park. (laughs) So they've since taken it down because it's stupid. Right. And, and obviously you want your dog to behave no matter where you are, off leash or otherwise. And and so maybe they could have conveyed that a little bit differently. But as Kevin says, it's sort of like saying no singing at the karaoke bar. <laughs> Indeed. So we are asking you for a chance to win AEW tickets to tell us a story like Sharon, who says the only time the barking dog bothers me is when my dog barks at random because you never know when it's coming when you least expect it he'll let out a loud bark and one time he did that while i was drinking my coffee and it made me jump and spill my coffee all over myself (laughs) jerry says the barking dog that drives me uh nuts the most is my own she only barks at other dogs but unfortunately cannot discern real dogs from those on television or on the radio i never (laughs) realized that almost every single scene on tv that takes place outside has barking dogs why, says Jerry, and commercials on radio, CGOB, please take note, are so <laughs> unnecessary, especially since I often fall asleep with the radio on and waking up to my dog barking because there's barking on the radio is just wrong. <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. 
Sorry about that, Jerry. We'll uh, pass that on to our producers. 204-780-6868. No sirens, no barking dogs. No, Alexa. Yeah, we can't can't say even even start to say the words because then that'll set things off. Small town salute. And this week we are saluting triplet cows. We got a lot of emails here, like a lot. To the point where you almost don't even see them anymore. You just see noise. But every so often, something comes in that immediately stands out. Like this email that came in yesterday morning that jumped out at me right away with the subject line, triplets in a cow. Yeah, so the message reads, quote, not sure if this is newsworthy, but we had a cow give birth to triplets twice in three years. So I thought... I have no idea how rare or how common this is or isn't. Did a quick Google search, found a website called (laughs) thebullvine.com, and apparently it's pretty uncommon. So that has happened at a farm near Winnipeg, Osis, which is about four hours northwest of Winnipeg. Barry Slaworski joins us now. Barry, good morning. How's it going? It's going very well. So we appreciate this and uh, happy to find a window in your very busy time. So is this the first time? Like, have you ever heard of this happening to anyone else? Yeah, there's there's been some triplets born around the area. Uh, a lot of times, not all of them are going to be live. And actually, I've never heard of uh, of the same cow having two sets of triplets or in, especially in a short period, but I don't know if ever, so it's quite rare that way. Yeah, so on this website, it, it estimated, it, it sort of, it looked at a bunch of different studies, one, you know, some people were talking at one in eight million. It, it's not that, it's not that rare, but depending on the study, one out of 40,000, one out of 100,000, or one out of 400,000, and that's just for one set of triplets from from the same cow, uh, never mind two. That, that, I, I couldn't even find statistics on that. So it's incredibly rare. I believe it is, yeah. And like I said, to have them uh, all live and running around twice is kind of a miracle. So all six of them survived as well? Well, to date, yes. Wow. Uh, so that's an e- that, that apparently really ups the odds, Brett, makes it even more rare. So, Barry, yesterday when I talked to you and asked you about the age of the cow, like the, the cow that gave birth uh, to these calves, um, I was mystified with with what I learned. So can you just sort of go through that? How old is this cow and uh, and how does the age system work with the, with the cows? So this cow is, uh, well, she would have turned eight this year, this uh, probably February or March. Um, so we call her 68C. So the letter denotes uh, the year the animal was born in. Um, there are four letters that aren't used. So you can't just uh, keep going up down the alphabet, but basically um, all purebred breeders will use this letter system to identify how old that cow is. So this year, they, any calf being born in this year will get the letter L behind their number. And is that across the board? Like, will all, like, will, will, will other farmers do the same, use the same letter? Lots of farmers do. All the purebred uh cattle producers well some commercial producers do but some will just give them simply a number and don't worry about the lettering system it's not it's not a mandatory system 
Where does the number, what denotes the number, 68? Well, the, yeah, we like the, that number here. <laughs> the number uh, that we, the way we use is just the, the number is the order in which she was born in that year. So she okay. would have been the 68th calf. But some people will number the same, the calf will get the same number as the cow, but we do it in order they're born. And how do you determine, like, so, so this cow that gave birth, it was the, you say, was the letter C. So how do you determine, like, which letter gets assigned to which year? Like, will next year be, uh, you said this cow, cows being born this year are the letter L. So will it be M next year? Automatically M, yep. It, it just goes in order of the alphabet, but there are four letters that are skipped because they look too much alike uh, other letters. Which so, ones no. are we skipping? Uh, no O's, no Q's, no V's, and no I's, I believe. Okay, so you're also an on-call veterinarian, and we talk about, you know, there are jobs, uh, there there are walks of life, and then there are ways of life. That, that, that's got to be a way of life. Yeah, it's definitely a, a way of life. I mean, I, I, I grew up on a farm around this area, but then... I did uh, go to vet college, and I ended up in Alberta for 12 years working as a mixed animal practice, but uh, I was always drawn back to, I guess, the love of the, the, love of the land and the love of the cattle, and uh, I finally decided it was time to come back, so we bought some land here, and we still had cows here all along, but we finally came back to operate, operate it on our own. Now, with the on-call veterinarian stuff, like you said yesterday morning, you were you were out. So, what kind of calls do you take? Well, this time of the year, we'd be doing calving-related calls, so obstetrical calls, um, anywhere from uh, you know malpositions, straightening out calves, to C-sections, to uterine prolapses, and uh, I guess anything else in between sick animals. So the geography of where you live is, uh, you know, it's gorgeous up in your part of the world, Barry, but maybe just before we let you go, what is it that you love so much uh, about that part of Manitoba, that part of Canada? Well, it's probably not the weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I guess it's, it's uh, fairly open. The population is not... There's not a lot of population density, so you can kind of do your own thing. Um, nothing like getting out on a quad and just driving for miles, right? And haven't seeing nobody, right? Just, just the freedom, basically. Well, Barry, thank you so much for joining us to tell your story uh, because this is really neat. Like the fact that it's, you know, if, let's say it's one in a hundred thousand to have for one cow to have triplets, for that same cow to ha- to do it again, has to be just astronomical. So we thank you so much for sharing your story. Lovely to meet you uh, virtually, at least over the phone, and uh, have a good day, sir. You too. Thanks a lot. Seven forty-five with Mackling and McGarry, and certainly not the weather. The love of the land. I love the way that he put that. So Barry Sloborski, once again, cattle producer, one cow, two sets of triplets in three years, and all six calves still alive. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool.
In a moment, we want to get more into this Tim Hortons ridiculous situation. But before that, we just want to sort of revisit our small town salute because in our last half hour, we headed to a farm just outside of Winnipegosis, which is about four hours northwest of Winnipeg. And we spoke to Barry Slaworski, cattle producer, who sent us a note yesterday saying, hey, I don't know if this is newsworthy, but we have a cow who just gave birth to triplets for the second time in three years. And then we got this response from Karen in North Caledonia. Good morning. I've been waiting for years for my small town to be saluted. Thank you, says Karen. My family and Barry's family have been neighbors since immigrating to Canada in the early 1900s. Cattle farmers. So lovely to hear a familiar voice. I live in Winnipeg now, but have much family. And the farm still at home. More great features of Winnipegosis are very close to Riding Mountain National Park and the Duck Mountains. And being on the southern tip of, of the lake, Lake Winnipegosis, when I was a kid, I thought every small town had a beach. Right. So, so, you know, if you're in the same boat as Karen, don't wait five years to hear your small town mentioned. Send us a text message, 780-6868. If you live there now or lived there before, something special that we can uh, chase and honor and feature on our small town salute every Thursday morning just after 735. Coffee giant Tim Hortons is apologizing mm. after it says a glitch unintentionally told consumers they had won a big prize. In the end, those customers were offered a tiny consolation prize. Global Sean O'Shea reports. In the retail business, loyalty can be pretty fickle because consumers change their tastes frequently, especially when you tell somebody they've won a big prize and then you take it away. You want a $10,000 prepaid Amex card? That sounds like a big win. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of money on a Monday. Nicole Kirk thought she hit a real payday at Tim Hortons, where she stops most weekdays. The company's annual roll-up-to-win contest makes use of the Tim Hortons app. For Nicole, the win was plain as day, right on the screen. It stated winner. It even had my name. Congratulations, Nicole. From Monday morning till Tuesday night, Nicole believed she'd won as she attempted to find out from the company how she'd get her prize. Then she got bad news. Unfortunately, as part of that entry. In the form of an email. They ended up stating that I wasn't a winner and um, they offered to give me a $50 Tim's gift card. Nicole wasn't alone. Other Canadians also won. Then they lost in the same way. Explanation from those big brands is more important than that just offering a $50. Uh, gift card. Tim Hortons told Global News it was a glitch. For a few hours on Monday morning, a technical error caused an issue for a small subset of roll-up-to-win players. They were shown an incorrect award message for a prize that is meant to be awarded once per day to one person in our jackpot draw. What has happened, why this has happened, and how they are going to make sure that, you know, this is not going to happen again in the near future. It's only fair. If you rolled up and you win, should get something. If you won ten thousand yeah. dollars, do you think that they should have to pay you, even if it was a mistake? Yeah. Uh, yes. Of course. It sucks, but what are you going to do? Are you going to fight Tim Hortons? Do you feel rewarded for your loyalty out of this? I don't. No. Um, to me, I thought I won a ten thousand dollar Amex prepaid card, 
that may not be a lot for a lot of people, but for me, that could be life-changing. Some look at this like winning a small lottery that then is taken away. Tim Horton's loyalty program has been in the news a lot lately. Just last month, the company finally settled uh, the privacy issue that it had with its app program where people were being tracked, consumers getting a free coffee and donut, not a whole lot. And just this month, late last month, the amount of points you need to get a free coffee under that program. Used to be 70 points, now 400 points. So devaluing of the program seen as something negative for a lot of customers of Tim Horton, and now this. We were at the uh, Scotties Tournament of Hearts in East St. Paul a few uh, weeks ago, and uh, Jackie thought she'd won the $1,200 50-50. Oh, yeah. And that was fleeting. Like for maybe, I don't know, 40 minutes, I thought we had won because I had some emceeing duties going on. So I didn't learn as quickly as she did that she didn't have the right number. She was out by by one digit was in the wrong spot. 1200 bucks. I was like, what are we going to do with this money? I can't imagine 10 grand flashing up on your screen and then you find out that no, didn't win at all. It was just a technical glitch. That's weak. Well, it's and it just seems so dirty that they they can't they won't just pay it out. Like I would understand if let's say I don't know, a hundred thousand people got this error message. Well, yeah, okay, then that's it would be tough to expect them to pay that out. But they, by their description, they're saying a small subset of players were incorrectly notified. Well, give how, us what, a number. Yeah, what's a small subset, and what would it cost you? To, to pay for this. Like, Tim Hortons is a giant company. I, I refuse to believe that this would be a, an onerous expense long term. Okay, so what if, what, what if they uh, found a number other than the ten grand to settle on? Like, they seem to be offering $50 gift cards, at least to one of the individuals in this story. What would, what would be a fair number for them to say, yeah, we messed up. Here's X amount instead. Two grand? Five grand? A grand? Like, what number would would satisfy you, or do you want do you want the do you want the ten? Yeah, and it looks like one of our listeners was part of this small subset of players who got this notification. Yeah, Julie texted us to say I got the same surprise from Tim's the big fake winning. I I someone uh, or somehow, pardon me, knew it was fake. First, never win anything in my life. They apologize. Big hooray. We asked Julie if it was the 10K. She says, yes, can't believe it. Short flash of happiness. Julie, that sucks. That's terrible news. Sorry to hear that. Um, but if if you happen, if this happened to you, 204-780-6868, and feel free to read more on this at cjob.com or globalnews.ca. Should Tim Hortons just pay off? <laughs> On the subject of barking dogs, we've got AEW tickets to give away. And don't forget, we also have World of Wheels tickets to give away. But uh, we're asking you for the AEW tickets to tell us a story about a barking dog. If you were to describe a dog as a Heinz 57, Greg, what does that mean? Mixture of a bunch of different breeds. Okay. It's not a purebred. It's not a mix of necessarily just two breeds. It's a mutt. Okay. All right. That makes sense. So because Eve says when I was growing up, the dogs we had, one Husky mix, the other one a Heinz 57, took to howling like wolves, I guess, in answer to the train whistle that was going through tra- through town. And it was creepy hearing that. But that made, and I thought, oh, Huskies. They are, you ever been 
like had a husky in yeah. your life in yeah. some capacity. Yeah, yeah. so a you know, of them. you know how expressive they are. Hundred percent. So much fun. Love them. Uh, so my dog Dexter, who's still he's still with us. He's just across the pond. He went with the ex over to Scotland, but. Um, he, he, the husky in him, we eventually figured out how to tap into it to the point where all we had to do is say, sing. and Sing. <laughs> sing. You have no idea how many dogs are howling across Winnipeg right now listening to this on the radio. <laughs> Sorry if I just set off a howling <laughs> marathon. <laughs> but uh, Eve, thank you for I don't, that. Just triggered a memory, and I thought I think I've got a piece of audio of Dexter uh, because I haven't seen him, gosh, in almost ten years now. So, yeah. oh man, that's uh, this era of technology and the ability to capture those memories on video is extra special. I've got video of my grandfather sitting in the backyard with his ukulele singing a song yeah. with uh, him and my baba. And like I-, I try and watch it every once in a while because it- it's like he's back, you know, versus the-, the era of the black and white picture where you might get your picture taken three or four times a year you know, back in the, in the day. And then, and then, you know, in our era, maybe mine in particular, maybe got my picture taken at Christmas time, my birthday and school pictures. And maybe the odd picture during a summer vacation or something. There's not a ton of pictures of me growing up. I must have 5,000 pictures of my kids on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and video and 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 right and now yeah and now we have too many pictures yeah too many pictures like, but the video is is special to hear the voice of your dog right because yeah. they say that's the first thing I, I I've read that that's the first thing you forget about a person when they pass away is it what they sound like is their voice really yeah yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but I've read that a couple of different places in my uh, dealing with my own personal grief. Oh, okay. Well, that's fascinating. I had no idea. I'll have to think about that. Um, Andy, also with a story on their barking dog. Yeah, this is a challenge, right? One of our listeners says, come on, guys, dogs bark. That's how they communicate. Well, there's barking and then there's incessant barking. And Andy says, somehow we always seem to manage to let our dog out the back door at the same time as the neighbor behind us or vice versa. The dogs used to talk to each other for a bit when they did their business. We would admonish our dog to get him to quiet down. The last couple of years have been a bit better or a lot better. All the dogs are older now and they're more interested in the job at hand, it seems. And a reminder as well has how this conversation started. There's a story out of Toronto about a sign that went up at a downtown dog park asking people to limit their dog's barking. So you're telling people, don't let your dog bark at the dog park? Like, that's ridiculous. So that's what inspired the conversation about asking you to tell us a story about A, a barking dog who drove you nuts, or B, a barking dog who helped you, like maybe stopped an intruder or woke you up when you were late for work, or what, whatever. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. In our next segment, we shall pick a winner for the AEW tickets for next week on your Barking Dog Stories. How? How are we going to do that? (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know. Gee whiz. I can't even keep up. So many wonderful stories and just lots of great memories and just amazing pictures being painted. Uh, so some of our best storytellers are you. So thank you for that. And we'll, so the deliberations shall continue. We have a tough choice ahead of us. And we also gave away tickets for World of Wheels last half hour, just before the 9 o'clock news. March 24th to the 26th at RBC Convention Center. Fortier and Master Control, who won those tickets? Daryl Lamoureux. Daryl Lamoureux, congratulations. Enjoy World of Wheels. Jets TV, weekly Thursday visit at 9.35. But right now, on the subject of people going back to work, because it's still, you know, a lot of people are just getting called back to work now because they've been working from home for so long. But an interesting way to measure this mackling that she spotted in the New York Post. That's right. And it's uh, also an indicator that people are using, investors are using to try and measure like what's going on in the economy. So before I tell you about this one, Brett, I want to ask you if you've heard of the cardboard box index. <laughs> uh No. <laughs> What is the Cardboard Box Index? The Cardboard Box Index is used by some investors to gauge consumer goods production. The output of cardboard boxes is believed to be an indicator of future production of consumer goods since cardboard containers are so common for packaging and shipping these goods. Okay. So if you're an investor, you're looking for any tip, right, to get ahead of the curve to invest in a company before the rest of the world knows that they're doing extra ordinary things and that their sales are up, that sort of thing. So this cardboard index has been around for a while. It's one of the tricks of the trade, so to speak, in investing. I don't know how many people use it, but it's been around for a long time. Well, have you heard of water cooling, water cooler tracking? No. So this is from the New York Post business section. Don't judge it based on the source here. New York Post, interesting newspaper. But this is the headline. Water cooler tracking is the latest return to office metric for investors. The article says water coolers have reportedly emerged as a key way for companies to track office occupancy levels during the ongoing return to office push. Data on the amount of water poured from the internet linked models. So I don't think ours is linked to the internet, but there are (laughs) models that link and can share consumption. And so then that way, you know, they can automatically replenish these uh, water bottles for your water cooler. So Bevy sells these models and um, attendance levels are reported at business across the country. Bloomberg reported last week, citing data from the Boston-based company. Some hedge funds and investors have expressed interest in examining the water cooler data to glean some insights about office occupancy rates, Bevy CEO Sean Grundy told Bloomberg. Yeah, it says the, uh, the amount of water people drink turns out to be a good indicator of how much time they are spending in the office. And for us, says Bevy CEO Sean Grundy, uh, it's positive that it's been trending up because the average volume of water dispensed by Bevy machines in 2021 was just 28.1% of its pre-pandemic level in 2019. And that same year, office occupancy rates across 10 major cities in the U.S. hit 30%. So water cooler usage jumped to 40, almost 44% in 2022. 
close to the 42% occupancy rate. And then the average monthly water dispensed so far this year has topped almost 51%, Mm -hmm. and that's slightly higher than a 46% return to office rate. And that's an interest. Like, I never would have thought to examine water consumption to gain any sort of useful data. Yeah, and I wonder how much of that data. is being used to calculate and try and gauge productivity within the workplace, right? We have so many ways. There are so many ways for our uh, overlords to keep track of us from keystroke monitoring to just, you know, is your computer on? Is it open? Is it using certain programs uh, on the desktop? And, and, and of course, then if you have a computer or a, pardon me, a, a company phone, how much is that is being monitored? If you have a company vehicle, you know that there are these little GPS things that they can put in their vehicle. If you've got a company a truck, as an example, they know if you're staying on your route, you know, it's um, big brothers watching brother. Yeah. And it, it's, it's funny too with the like we we see here also in the story that big companies like Amazon and Disney are among some of the companies that have recently stepped up their office attendance requirements and and I so I got to say I'm a little surprised at some of the things that are happening in terms of companies demanding people return to work mm-hmm. either either more often or on a permanent level because it's it sounded like like we were moving largely to a hybrid situation if it works. And, and now I know a lot of people who are just being told, no, you're, you're coming back. Well, Amazon, you remember all the furor of uh, communities clamoring to get Amazon's second headquarters? Yeah. There's 50-plus uh, cities, including Winnipeg, who put in a proposal to become home of Amazon too. Well, they've actually slowed down, if not stopped altogether work on their secondary uh, headquarters in, I think it's Arlington, Virginia. And so because the future of the physical office is very much in doubt for a lot of folks. I've been listening to podcasts about some of the different downtowns that are struggling in the United States. And, and one of the heartbeats, one of the, one of the homes of tech is of course, Silicon Valley. If it's not the home of tech, San Francisco and Seattle have a lot of office space dedicated to tech companies in San Francisco. They're saying is the, is the, is the downtown that's recovered worst, slowest from, from uh, the pandemic. And so, You've got these massive buildings, very expensive real estate that's going unused right now. Yeah, it's not just a problem in in Winnipeg. I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but isn't New York City, for example, aren't they losing like a billion dollars or so, billions of dollars based on the the number of people who are still working from home? I I can't imagine that that's not the case, Brett. Yeah, so interesting stuff, Mackling. Water cooler tracking... Find out if your water cooler is connected to the internet. My dishwasher is connected via Wi-Fi. Why? Because I, I, if I got to run a load, I guess I can do it from here. There's no camera inside, so I can't tell if it's dirty or clean. Though. Ah. <laughs> uh. You knew, you knew <laughs> at some point, Fortune had to pull this one out. Yeah. We're talking about barking dogs this morning because in Toronto, there was a sign that has been taken down telling people to limit their dogs barking. 
at a dog park in downtown. Like, if, if your dogs can't bark at a dog park, come on. So we're asking you to tell us a story about a barking dog, whether it's a dog that drove you nuts or maybe it was a good situation where your dog barking helped you out. Like Craig here says, I had to get the city to take my neighbor to court over their barking dog. Mm. When the judge asked my neighbor if she had an explanation for the constant barking, she said, that's what dogs do. They bark. So the judge fined her right then and there. I had a year of no sleep. So we asked if the barking stopped, and Craig says, she moved and said I was a bad neighbor. Sure. (laughs) She was also on the same court document for her dog biting a neighbor. Uh You should have seen how many people were in that court for dog issues. They get two warnings from animal services before the city prosecutes. So there you go. Craig, glad to hear that worked out okay for you. Uh, pick it. We don't have, probably don't have time to get through all these mackling impossible. Uh, yes. to read them all. Uh, how about the rest of this here? My dad was a dog trainer, among other things. Side note, he trained the first police dog in Winnipeg. Oh, how about that? He had a dog named Arco. One day, my dad came home after work to find the mail carrier cornered in the front yard. <laughs> Arco had no problem letting people into the yard, but would not let the perps leave with one command. Arco backed off, and the mail carrier was free to go. <laughs> so we could probably do a whole day just asking mail carriers to share their dog stories with uh, us. Don't forget Milkman, too. Oh! I got bit by a dog once in just, somebody's house. They invited me in to pay their bill. Yeah. This little dog bit me on the back of the knee. Well, did uh, did was punctured. blood drawn? Yeah, punctured. I had, oh to go for the, I had to go for the tetanus shot. Oh, man. That reminds me. I should probably go after them for some money. I'm just kidding. Ryan in Transcona is our one of our runners up here. Uh, Ryan says, and this is an example of the dog barking being another good thing. Ryan says, just this summer, my dog started barking around 4 a.m. I figured it was the rain. Heavy rain and thunderstorms in the early morning. Uh, So I went downstairs, look at my dog. He's at the window. I looked outside, and sure enough, there are two people on bikes. Uh I kept watching, and I saw something in one person's hand. It looked like a catalytic converter. My car was in the street, and I said to myself, don't do it. And sure enough, by the time I opened my door and yelled, hey, one person was under my car and had cut one (gasps) side of the pipe. They took off. I called the cops, never did find them, but I was able to get the exhaust pipe fixed for a couple hundred bucks, and I had them weld a cable around it as a deterrent. After all, it was all over. I said, what a good dog, and she got some extra treats. Right on, Ryan. But Jason Gregg is our winner. Our eight, uh, our dog is eight years old. We have had her since she was two. She was a rescue, and we are her third home and her forever home. She is half lab, half pit bull. She also wants to be greeted by visitors to our house just like a human. She has a loud bark and, and makes difficult to talk to anyone because she will sit and bark constantly until you say hello and pet her. Then she will walk away, but she will sit there and bark and bark for minutes until you say, Hello, Shelby. How are you today? And she's good. I'm sure she would show Robber how to remove the TV from the wall and and help you carry it to the car as long as you say hello and pat her on the head. And forgot about opening uh, the kitchen window to talk to the neighbors. She expects them to pet her through the window and gets upset because she doesn't get why they can't physically do that. Great dog. Great dog stories this morning. Jason, congratulations. Enjoy the show. This was, once again, an impossible task to choose only one. Jason's going to AEW next Wednesday, March 15th. 
but let's talk some hockey here. Winnipeg Jets dropped a 4-2 decision to the Minnesota Wild at Canada Life Centre last night. It was the Jets' third loss in three games to Minnesota this season. Yeah, the Jets peppered Wild goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury with 48 shots. It was very reminiscent of the Western Conference Final when the Jets faced the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury was simply outstanding as he was with the Knights back in 2018. Two nights, uh, this is two nights after throwing 38 shots on goal versus San Jose. And on Saturday, the Jets managed 39 shots on Edmonton goaltender Jack Campbell in their 7-5 win over the Oilers. So shot totals don't often tell the entire Story analyst on our game broadcast, host on Jets TV, and all around solid citizen. Jamie Thomas is getting ready to head to Florida. Good morning, Jamie. <laughs> it's so cold, guys. <laughs> Stop now. Stop now. You know, I was I was about to fall on the sword for you a little bit here yeah. because yeah. regardless of the fact that this is a business trip, you know, my wife goes yeah. to exotic places for business from time to time and she gets, oh, right. it must be nice. I'm sure there are very few people feeling sorry for you regardless of the of the lack of work-life balance on these road trips. My mom texted me last night because I was joking on the post game show. I wasn't going to Florida. I don't want to go. My mom was like, "Why aren't you going to Florida?" I'm like, "Mom, I was joking. Like, <laughs> if I would turn down a trip to Florida, for goodness sake." So yeah, it, it, hey, when you go, when you talk about the shot totals, guys, I, I think, I think we have to be. This is this is a positive sign the way things are going. Like, you can't have any issues with the way the Jets have played the last 10 periods, and I'm talking about that final period in Edmonton when they lost 6-3 to the Oilers, but the last 10 periods, the Jets have been the better team, and we'll throw away overtime against San Jose, and yes, the points aren't there, and there's some frustration within the city, and certainly within the organization, but the signs of them turning this around are all there, and and I agree with you, like, that was totally reminiscent of the t- conference final in 2018, it's all you saw. He, Marc-Andre Fleury, is the most dramatic goalie in hockey right now. And I remember Bill Ranford was very dramatic when he played in the 90s for the Oilers. And, like, every save is an event with Marc-Andre Fleury. And I don't know how he's not – he hasn't lost 10 pounds after every game, the way he throws his body around. Um, most goaltenders – you know, you look Connor Hellebuck, you know, stationary, finds the right angles, in the right place, the right time. Fleury is just diving all over the place. And um, it, it was it was an impressive show and – I still think Nino Niederreiter is going to be seeing that last chance that he had in the third period in his sleep because uh, what a save by Flurry and that right toe of his. He, he was unreal. Yeah, Nemestikov and Nino Niederreiter have been very good since being yeah. acquired at the trade deadline. Good pickups, but you just had to bring up Bill Ranford, didn't you? <laughs> because I know you watched that 1990 playoff series with oh. a much different tilt, a much different set of eyeglasses as you'd be watching it now because didn't you grow up an oil fan oh whoa 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 slow down here a second i grew up uh i was born and raised in calgary and i grew up in cochran so i hated the Oilers. okay so thank goodness <laughs> i feel your pain so i say when i talk about bill ranford and anything to do with the oilers there is like just a, this like i'm not gonna lie did i grow up loving the winnipeg jets as a calgary flames fan no of course not but um now that i'm here you start we have something in common because we all hated the oilers okay so, good so it was, you know, it was painful watching that 90 cup. Well, let's not talk about it. It's just, Please, just let's not. Yeah. Let's not talk yeah. about it. Brett McGarry, save us from each other and ourselves. <laughs> well, three, three points in three games. Yeah. Like, that's just simply not good enough right now. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because they 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 deserve much better. And that's the thing. Like I, It's so tough right now because I kind of thought, 
Nashville when they sold off everybody, they were done, but they're still lurking in there in the background. And Calgary can't score, but they get a huge win over Minnesota and a massive win in Dallas. So it's it's really – this is why it's imperative the Jets get into that top three because the West is such a crapshoot right now. You have no idea. There's no team that's dominating right now. And sure, there's teams like Minnesota that's on a great stretch right now. You know, Calgary's starting to put – Edmonton's starting to play a lot better. And, you, and yes, the Jets have to start getting results here in their favor. But that's – you get in, and it's not like anybody's a, a massive favorite in the Western Conference because they're just not. And that's why the Jets get in – Anything can happen, but they do have to start putting wins on the board and um, and real soon. And it's, I mean, this road trip is not going to be the easiest of, of road trips. That's for, as as leisurely as it looks like right now. There's a business aspect to it too. They got they got to get at least two or three on this on this trip. Well, you know, Jamie, you know, just uh, four or five weeks ago, we were trying. Well, who would we prefer to play? And yeah, uh, finishing yeah. in first place, what does yeah. that mean? And all the different conversations. Know. Now it's just getting into the playoffs, and and yeah. not. I don't want to fall into that trap again of getting ahead of ourselves. But you know, Colorado probably the only team that really scares me in the West. Uh, I don't yeah. necessarily want to play Edmonton, but I'd be. You know, I think I'd be comfortable with the Jets playing Dallas. Uh, maybe yeah. Minnesota less. Likely. Likely so if we didn't have uh, if the Jets didn't have home ice advantage, but there'll be lots of time to talk about this. So, what are the positives? You've touched on some of them, but the positives mm-hmm. is the team heads, uh, you know, out on the road for these games with the Panthers, Lightning, Hurricane, and oh yeah, only returned home to face the league leading Bruins on March 16th. Yeah, Carolina and Boston. That's real fun on the old schedule there. Thanks a lot. Um, I think where the signs are. So look. Minnesota had only given up 10 goals or you know, 12 goals in their previous 10 games. They were not giving up a whole lot. And sure, they're on the back end of back-to-back. But you can't argue with the fact that the Jets played with a lot of speed last night. They, were, they fought through the neutral zone trap that Minnesota throws up a, a lot of and had some grade-A scoring chances. So if they're not generating scoring chances, therein lies the problem. Eventually, these are going to go in. Like Kyle Connor is in a little bit of a rut goal-scoring-wise, but he's getting lots of chances. Like Adam Lowry... Went 36 games without a goal. Could have had another one last night. Broke this, got off the, the schneid here on, on this homestand too. So, and that third line of Lowry, Barron, and Appleton was just downright dominant last night. So, and then Vladislav Nemestikov. So you you lose Pierre Luc Dubois again, and Nemestikov slots into that second line, and and he doesn't look out of place at all with Blake Wheeler and Nikolai Ehler. So, and then Nino Niederreiter. Like, what a great addition. Like, a great big body, goes to the front of the net, gets goes and fights hard for the loose pucks in the offensive end of the ice, creates space for Connor and Shifley. So there's just there's a lot of positives here, and it's a good hockey team. You can understand why they have this little resolve. Like, we're not in, you know, they're not out of it. They're still in a playoff spot. So they're just like, again, we can I can tell you all the positives I want, but people want results, and I get it. I just feel eventually they're going to start coming, and uh, you, you hope it's real soon. Jamie Thomas joining us live on 680 CGOB for our weekly Jets TV visit. When you are in places like Florida, do you actually get to get out a little bit and and enjoy your surroundings? How am I supposed to answer this? Honestly, honestly. (laughs) Just, just, uh, just, just us guys talking. Uh, Sure. Yes. Yeah. Like, like I'm already, the beach is right across from the hotel. So like I'm going in the ocean. I'm not going to lie. I got my swim trunks. So, and uh, my wife's already got me on some mission to go find some shoes that you can't uh, get in Canada, apparently. So, <laughs> so part of it is business and part of it is pleasure. Right. But it, it's, yeah, it's, there's a great, I don't even, I, listen, I'm going to text you guys. There's a fantastic hamburger place that I stumbled across last year 
just walking around uh, Fort Lauderdale. Um, the burger, <laughs> it was it was tremendous. So I'm going to text you guys because if you're ever in Florida, I swear to God, you have to have this burger. So I'll take a photo of it. It was it's amazing. All right. So, uh, yeah, that's what that's what I can offer you guys. But uh, yeah, there there is some downtime, but not like last year. Remember the Jets left earlier because that game was canceled against Seattle because the the mother of all storms was coming, and they spent an extra day in Florida. Uh, there's not so much. Tomorrow's a practice day, so there won't be as much leisure time as there was the last time we went out to Florida. Yeah, that's rough when you got to go to the practice rink uh, when you're in those southern climbs. That, that, that's not the best. But, hey, hey, that, that, I mean, that's the reason you're there. Jamie, yeah. thanks for this. And uh, hopefully some of your some of your positive outlook on this uh, translate into some points, uh, some wins for the Jets. Yeah. And I suspect there'll be a ton of Jets fans at the game tomorrow night in Sunrise and, and probably quite a few in Tampa Bay on uh, on Saturday or on uh, yeah. sun, uh, Sunday. No. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yes. Saturday, Saturday, Sunday. I know it's back-to-back it is the days are just melding all together this time of year. Anyways, guys, you know this. All right. Jamie Thomas joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you very much, sir. Thanks guys. We'll talk to you soon.